FIG Ministry presents the Catholic Influencers Podcast. Join me, Alyssa Aegis, and my co-hosts, Father Rob Gallia and Justine Cumbo, as we break open the upcoming Sunday Gospels and discuss relevant topics and life issues from a Catholic perspective. For a shorter, more reflective explanation of the Gospels, be sure to check out our sister podcast, Catholic Influencers, Father Rob Gallia Homilies. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of the Catholic Influencers Podcast. We're about just over halfway through season six, which is so incredible. And I'm super excited to introduce two very special guests today. We've got two guests from Evangel- Evangelization Brisbane. We've got Emma Frad and Deacon Peter Pelican. And I just realized I didn't check if that's how you say your surname. Did I get that right? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Pelican, pigeon, penguin, any name, any bird that starts with P is fine. (laughs) I love it. We are super excited to have these guys from Brisbane um, joining me in Melbourne. We're unfortunately still in lockdown in Melbourne. So um, we're being creative and your email came at a very, very good time. Um, So, yeah, we are super excited to have you guys. Do you mind both introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about what you both do? Sure. Emma. Yeah, I... My name is Emma. I'm from South Australia, uh, but I've lived in Brisbane for about five years now, um, working for the church in different different ways. But yeah, currently I work in Evangelization Brisbane with Deacon Peter. Uh, Evangelization Brisbane is, I suppose, the ministry arm of the Archdiocese. So um, I mainly do admin work, but every now and then I get to do exciting projects like this, um, which we'll be chatting about today. Uh, Peter, what do you do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Peter. I uh lead evangelization brisbane in the archdiocese of brisbane um and it's the agency as as emma said that drives ministry across the diocese so we support parishes um, and communities with everything from adult formation to youth young adults uh, children's ministry um parish leadership to inclusion we run leadership intensives uh we do all kinds of things to support parishes and walk with priests in their communities um to help them become really uh, communities of, of missionary disciples um, and, and to help them think through the question of how does a parish grow and engage in the mission of Christ to make disciples of all nations um, here and now. So we're giving it our best swing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, thanks and so much for all busy. you're doing. <laughs> it, it sounds really, really exciting. And I guess we're going to be talking about one particular project that you guys have been working on and it's called um, encounter catholic music you've just released a new album with the psalms which we're going to talk about really really soon just to clarify for our listeners i know our online courses are called encounter but this project's also called encounter so i I feel like it's a match made in heaven i was was really excited (laughs) when i saw that name our our songs can be your uh, background music for every course Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I totally love that. Um, so yeah, we've touched on this a little bit talking about music. Um, the three of us are all musicians and we're going to be talking a little bit more about the role of music, um, in the Catholic church a little later on in this podcast, but we're shaking things up a lot this week. Normally we would prepare you for the upcoming Sunday mass with, by breaking open the Sunday gospel, but this week, just because we're talking about an album about the Psalms, we thought we might break open the upcoming psalm for something a little bit different. Um, So this week's psalm is actually, it's Psalm 128. And we're going to get Emma to proclaim this psalm. And then we're going to have a bit of a chat about what this psalm might mean and then move into a conversation about music. So um, Emma, would you please read this week's psalm? Beautiful. And the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 
May the Lord bless us all the days of our lives. O blessed are those who fear the Lord and walk in his ways. By the labour of your hands you shall eat. You will be happy and prosper. May the Lord bless us all the days of our lives. Your wife like a fruitful vine in the heart of your house, your children like shoots of the olive around your table. May the Lord bless us all the days of our lives. Indeed, thus shall be blessed the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion in a happy Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children on Israel peace. May the Lord bless us all the days of our lives. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Emma. So we're talking about a few things here. We're talking about fearing the Lord. We're talking about blessing. Um, Perhaps, Deacon Peter, would you maybe, let's break open this whole concept of what does fearing the Lord mean? Sure. So you heard in that psalm, blessed are those who fear the Lord. And that word fear in our context today tends to make you think of someone that you should escape. Mm. <laughs> um, so to, to you want to get away from people that you fear. But Scripture is not talking about that kind of us. He always knows more about us than we know about ourselves. And so we can't get away from God anyway. So what does it mean to fear God? Well, a good way to think about that is... Uh, a couple of illustrations. The family is a great place to start, um, and that presumes that you've had a positive experience in your local family and, a, and ideally a positive experience with your own father. But if you think about what a great father is to a family, a, a man who gives himself unconditionally for his family, who cares for his children, who loves his wife, is faithful to his wife, and raises his children well, um, if you raise children well, you have to be interested in what they do. Um, you have to be interested in what they do well, but you also have to be interested in what they don't do well and give them that feedback. And so a child, my children at least, I think have what's hopefully a healthy fear of me in terms of they know that I love them and care for them and want the best for them. But they also know that if they're disrespectful or they you know, hit one of the other kids or they treat their mum badly, that they also better fear me, right? <laughs> now, that's uh, not because I'm going to go and smack them down. It's because they're going to get disciplined in terms of I'm going to look them in the eye and sit them down and talk through what's happened. And so that gives them an awareness of how to grow and how to become what God has called them to be. And so in the same way, when we fear God, it's recognizing that God is almighty and he's powerful. And C.S. Lewis talks about Jesus as not a tame lion. And that is a lion that's powerful, that is incredible and exciting. If you think of, you know, the, the series of Aslan, but also someone who should be feared and treated with respect because God loves you. And because he loves you, he wants to, change you and encourage you and draw you in to become all that he's called you to be. Yeah, that's such a beautiful explanation. Um, yeah, I guess you're fearing God. It means it means taking God seriously and honouring him. And it, it says in this mm. first verse of this psalm, blessed are those who, oh, oh, blessed are those who fear the Lord and walk in his ways. And so I guess walking in his ways would mean being obedient to God and into his commandments and his word. Mm. Um, and then, I guess it talks about blessing, which is what's going to flow from that once we do live in that right relationship with God. Um, Yeah. Maybe do you want to elaborate a little bit on the blessing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the themes of the Old Testament and particularly the prophets is that hope for the future must be matched with moral responsibility in the present. I'll say that again. Mm. Hope for the future must be matched with moral responsibility in the present. 
Um, and that's a theme right through the Old Testament prophets. It's the story of Israel where when they're responsible, when they listen to God, when they follow God, when they worship God, they're blessed. And when they become too big for God and they start to think they're fine and they're going to do it all themselves and they've got this and it's like, oh, good God, we've got this covered, um, then they begin to struggle. And so being open to blessing and placing ourselves in a, in a place where we're able to receive God's blessing means having that humility to say, God, you are God and I'm not, and I'm going to listen to what you say about how I should live, the kind of decisions that I should make in my life, and trust that you designed all things. So you're in a much better position to give advice on, on my life than I am. And so that's a sort of a humility that comes in that place where it's uh, I actually find solace in the fact that God is there and he, and he gives us his wisdom and he shares that with us and he's designed us to live in a way. Uh, he's given us the, the natural law that helps uh, our lives work and function. And so when we do that, when we fear the Lord, when we follow what he uh, asks us to do, we also reap his blessing in all kinds of ways in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this psalm also talks about the different areas of our lives that are going to be mm. blessed. So it talks about um, our work life, like the, the the fruits of our labor. God's yeah. going to bless that if we're in right relationship with him. It talks about our relationships with our spouse and with our children. Yeah. Um, yeah so you see in that psalm, there's this movement from the blessing of the individual to then the domestic church, uh, his wife, his family, um, but then the people of God, you know, the J Jerusalem Zion, um, and then this whole generational effect where from the individual to the family to the, the church in the, you know, in the New Testament context, we see this blessing that just rolls out like, a, you know, the blessing lands like a stone in the pond and the ripples of that blessing just move right out to the whole community. Yeah, perfect. I mean, and, and it's such such another confirmation that, you know, we search for happiness in so many different places, but if we just go to the source, which is God himself, and we follow in his ways and follow his commandments, then everything else in our life will be aligned beautifully, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and that the blessing on the individual affects everyone, you know, and, and as all of us share in that faithfulness to God, it blesses others. And the more that do that, the more blessed the whole community becomes as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, so I guess most of our listeners and, and you know, I myself, I, I attend a mass on a weekend where the psalm is read. Um, but you guys have done this, this new album with the psalms that are put to beautiful musical settings. And maybe I thought we could talk a little bit about why psalms should be sung. What do you think? Well, the psalms are written to be sung, you know, which is why, which is why we should sing them. And I think building on that too, music is the, it's the language of heaven, right? It, it speaks to us in a way that just talking doesn't. It takes us into a, a spiritual and emotional experience as well. That's far more than just talking about content. Um, and it also has the effect, particularly with a community or a congregation, a group of people, that music can get a thousand people to say one line in perfect time and perfect tune. And so it has a unifying effect because you can get a whole crowd to sing the same pitch, the same meter, the same tempo, which if we said, okay, let's all just say this together, it would just sound like a big babble. <laughs> um, and yep. so it, it has this unifying effect and then the melody and the, the music that sits underneath it, it takes us into a different experience. It's a higher level. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then when you're talking about like this whole inv invitational experience, I, I think of a mass, you know, you've got your canter and you've got that invitation for the congregation to um, mm. 
to respond and it's such this beautiful call and response. And when it's done really, really well, it's actually really beautiful, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Um, the other thing too to note is we've got to look, when, when we're setting the Psalms to music, we've got to and, look uh, at making sure that the original... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. When it's done well, and I'm sure your album is incredible, and I am really looking forward to um, our listeners getting to hear this um, because I'm sure you guys have done this in such an incredible job. I've only heard a couple, but um, they're pretty awesome. Um, What I was going to say, though, is I think it's really important when we're setting the psalms to music to make sure the original intent of the psalm is is um, what's the word captured. Captured, mm. and the listeners would know every podcast. I have a word that I can just never get out of my mouth, and that's always <laughs> Father Rob. So thanks, Emma, for stepping in and taking that role today. But for example, if you know, if the psalm is a, it's a song of lament, like we should have music that's reflecting that. You know, in for all the music, musicians out there, have it in a minor key. If it's a song of praise, you know, have it in a major key, and really take note of where the, the commas and the rests are, um, and the invitation for others to join in as well. Okay, so maybe in a bit of a more um, general sense, what do you guys think the role of music is in the Catholic Church? <laughs> to be better than it is. <laughs> <laughs> to be better than it is, yeah, correct, eh? Oh, I think you have to think about, um, to understand music properly, and in fact anything we do as Catholics, you have to understand the wonder and the, the perfection of God, the holiness of God. And if we're to do our our job well in what we do is reflecting God, everything that we should do as the Catholic Church should reflect a God who is holy, who is perfect, who is beautiful, who is righteous, who is the author of all that is good, all that is wonderful, all that takes us into mystery. And so the reason that music is so important um, is that music can take us into mystery and into beauty and into wonder in a way that many other things can't. It's the power of art, too. It's why the paintings in the Sistine, the Sistine Tra- Chapel are so important, right, because they speak of a beauty and of, of a wonder and therefore they reflect a God who is incredible. And so the, the role of music then in a, in a Catholic context is to reveal the mystery of God and help people feel and experience the wonder of God's presence uh, in a way that music can do um, that no other art form can do. And so that has a, a, yeah, and it has a sort of a moral implication as well, because it means that we should be in, you know, theologically, we should be doing a very, very good job. We should be trying as absolutely as hard as we can to do the best possible music that we can produce because we worship a perfect and what the best possible God you can imagine, a God that is infinite and beyond, you know, words. And so to have music that is kind of a bit pathetic doesn't refer doesn't reflect the God, you know, it sort of suggests that God's a bit pathetic. And so we, we want to be able to really bring forward the glory of God by doing music as well as we possibly can to reveal his His wonder. Yeah, perfect. I was just going to jump in before and say when you're talking about how music can, tra- you know, transpire, again, another word, transpire us to like bring us higher to another place, bring us into such a mm. beautiful encounter with God. So many times, you know, we don't, I know I've had this experience when you don't even have the words to pray, but, you know, you hear this song and it just says Mm. everything you want to say perfectly. And it might not even need to have words, but it could just be like the musicality of it. Mm. Um, And it's such a gift from God and it needs to be used well, right? Absolutely. And you'll see that in in our album too, where a couple of songs, the one you'll hear later on and one that Emma wrote, um, Cry Out With Joy, 
there's a little instrumental in both of those songs and the point of that instrumental is to take you up beyond where the lyrics are you know we're hearing these words we're singing these words but then you just it's like in a relationship you know i think with my wife i can get to know her and i can tell her things and i can say nice words to her but at the end of the day where where all those words come to fruition is where i just look her in the eyes and she looks me in the eyes and that's when the magic happens and so the the music that's just instrumental is then get okay we've we've said all this stuff and it's like okay just stop speaking and just gaze into the face of god and the music is there to to aid that experience yeah for sure and um what's been your experience of using music as a tool to invite to invite people into an encounter with God, people, maybe people who, um, some people who are necessarily church, but also people who maybe haven't really had an experience of church. I'm sure you, have you guys had run into things like that in your work? I know um, last year I worked a lot with young people and young adults and yeah, music is something that they're fully on board with because it's just such a huge part of their culture, you know? Um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think um, if, if the music is played well, you know, like anyone can soften to music played well, you know, and uh, I've, I feel like it's been, I mean, not, not mm. to my own horn in any way, but I think it is, it's successful because it's just such a good tool. Like if, if you play music well, it gives people the space that they need to sort of, yeah, as Peter was saying, just look, look God in the eyes, you know. You can draw people into, like, I think, I mean, our agency is called Evangelization Brisbane, and I think it's difficult to do evangelization with no music at any point of the way. I think mm-hmm. music plays a key role in evangelization because it's it's a way of getting under people's skins, you know. I, I, I may not be able to sit down and go, okay, would you like to come and talk about the Catholic tradition? Can I introduce you to Jesus? You know, no. But will you listen to this song? We've written this song. We've written this album. Absolutely, I'll listen to that. Hey, this is cool. You guys, you, you know, that person plays well, you know. Um, so it's a way of getting under under the radar. But you can also draw people into experience when they're not ex- expecting it. I, I remember a time back in my, uh, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I was playing pubs and clubs and weddings and functions a lot. And one of the things we would do is is just occasionally pop out a church song, you know, like a, a, a famous, like even Amazing Grace sometimes or, a, you know, a Hillsong song like Lord, I Give You My Heart or something like that, a third yeah. day song. And I remember I think we did Lord, I Give You My Heart once. Uh, you know, you got to pick the right moment to do this with a half-drunk crowd. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying uh, to picture that at my own gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got to make sure you've completely won the audience and you, you, you've got them eating <laughs> out of your hands and you're taking them on a journey. Um, and then you finish the set with a song like that. And then, you know, at the end we'd say, look, if you want to talk to us about faith, you know, we're, we're a band that believes, come and talk to us. But I remember someone, uh, one lady coming up to us at the end after playing that song and goes, I don't know what you guys did, but it really moved me. Like I've just... I just feel like something happened there and I don't know what it was, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's the power of, of music and, and not just music, but music that reflects God and points people to God and, and is not just a nice romantic tune, but it's, it's resonating with something that's so much deeper inside them because it's talking about the very source of faith, hope and love, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important to acknowledge as well that, yeah, music's got the power to to do incredible things when it's done well. Hmm. But we could totally flip this switch, right? Yeah. And we could talk that music has the ability to really um, 
How do I? Does someone want to finish my sentence? I want you to find the word. I feel like that word's really I can't find. <laughs> rip the heart out, if you will. Uh, rip the heart out, right? Like it, if it's yeah. if it's not done well, it really can be detrimental, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think of the times you're in mass and and something goes wrong in the music, uh, which is, is sometimes not an uncommon experience. You know about sadly, it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 oh, it, and it has a way of, of just jarring. You know, I, mm. I remember one experience I had some years back. It, it was communion time and someone was singing the communion song and it was just the tiniest bit flat the whole time. <laughs> and oh. it, it literally made me sort of nauseous that the sound of it was just... It so put me off. I'm coming to communion. I'm trying to have this intimate encounter with Jesus and with the, the body of believers and all of that. What is this? Uh, it, it just, as you say, it can it it brings the hope and the wonder and the joy, or it can absolutely trash it. <laughs> absolutely, I, I can. I was just thinking as you were saying that, like, um, I've been to a mass before where um, the musicians were playing the mass parts, and I just remember praying as we were getting up to it. I'm like, oh, please, just don't play this one. Don't play this one. Don't play this one because Aww. it was, it was so like taking my attention away from where my attention needed to be. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, gosh, it's a, it's a it's a it's own podcast in itself. Talking about this, I'm sure we've all got plenty of horror stories. I, th- I think what's important <laughs> to point out with that is like, um, you know, no one's perfect. Mistakes happen, but the fact is that this is an experience that just happens way too often. Like something mm. needs to be done. Mm. It's just it's it shouldn't be this often that this happens. You know, and Peter, you were saying, you know, go into a Protestant church. Not that they have better ways of doing things necessarily but but they they take it seriously you know they, they pay someone they pay a professional to, to train a band and there's there's an audition like you have to actually be good enough to play to lead people um in prayerful music and yeah it's just mm. and, and it's such a fine line too between that whole um volunteer mindset versus the professional musician mindset and then sometimes parishes will you know get a professional musician and then they just cop it from um all different kinds of parishioners, even if they're the best musician ever, right? Yeah. And even if they do have the heart, that 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 service heart, and they just happen to be good at what they do. Mm. Mm. I mean, it, it opens up a question about another issue, and that is that we won't have a, a really healthy culture of, of music in liturgy and music more broadly in a Catholic church unless that's also led by the worship leaders in inverted commas and the worship leader is the presider, right? And so you can have a great musician and you can have a great singer and the singer can deeply love God and understand deeply what they're doing, but you also need a priest who understands the role of music in the liturgy and he's going to take a whole community on a journey towards encountering God with that music. Um, And when you have the two of those things together, a presider who gets it, and then the musicians who get it, then you can take a community on a journey and it will take a, two or three years, but you can have a really thriving and, and powerful ministry there. But you need both because um, what can happen is you have an incredible musician who is entirely stuck by a presider who doesn't really understand what, what music yeah. can do. Mm. And so it's about taking the whole community on a journey. Yeah, definitely. Um I guess the other thing I wanted to touch on in today's podcast is a, a little bit about the debate between music genres that we have in the church and maybe why music is such a polarizing thing in the Catholic church. 
what's been your especially in putting together this album what's been your experience of that well one thing you, you notice in our culture is uh people are very quick to criticize um they're yeah. quick to criticize anything new um as a little example it, it, it made me laugh in fact i, I wrote the the song for the plenary council it's called listen um and it was a it's on youtube and you know it's about about ten thousand views or whatever because it's connected Check to that, everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like it or love it or hate it um but what made me laugh was uh, there was this um facebook group where all these young people were throwing rocks at it um and they were telling telling us that um you know i was bringing hillsong into the church and all kinds of things and if you looked at the lyrics of the song First of all, the song wasn't written for a liturgical context, and I said that in, in the introduction of the song, so it wasn't for liturgy. Secondly, it was um, all about a church that looks like, feels like, sounds like Jesus. Now, I'm pretty sure that's what God is looking for, right, is <laughs> a church that looks like, sounds mm. like, and feels like Jesus. And, and so what the criticism of that song revealed was less about the song or about me or about the style and more about a culture that says that anything that's different or new or unfamiliar is unwanted or somehow outside the tradition. And, of course, the tradition of our church is that through the last 2,000 years there have been new songs written all the time and new melodies to these same um, psalms that we've got, but also just music's been the heart of the church even from before Christianity. Like read the Jews, like the the Israelites, and just look at the Hebrew words for praise and they include things like shouting and dancing and, you know, um, I mean, one of the words there is when, David danced because the ark had come back to Jerusalem and it yeah. says he was clamorously foolish. Like, So it's supposed to be the overflow of the heart, right? And so we need to be a little bit more careful about throwing rocks at, at, at young musicians or new musicians. Like I've been around for a while, so I can giggle at it, right? But if you're an 18-year-old and you've never put a, a song out and the first song you put out, you have a whole lot of people throwing rocks at it, that can be a really crushing experience. And the thing that, that God looks at is, is not you know, whether it fitted someone's personal favourite style, it's does this song come out of a heart that loves God? Is it a reflection of a heart that is after God's own heart? Is it authentic in its praise? And the question of that that authenticity is not one of style, you know. Um, The the other comment on that I think that's worth raising is that it's, it's a huge problem when we are willing to withhold praise from God because we don't like the style. And I think this is true for all people. Yeah. Um, And and what I mean by that is, you know, you you go to mass or you go to some sort of Catholic event and there's a song that you don't like. And this happens to me all the time, right? Because most songs (laughs) that are played, I'm of an Asian stage where I'm I'm too young to like most of the songs (laughs) that are played, right? I I wasn't born in, in the, 40s and 50s <laughs> or 60s yeah. or 70s. Uh, so a lot of those songs don't resonate with me at all. They're not melodies that I relate to. They're not even the language of it. I, I don't really engage with. But the point is that I'm there. What's happening at the Mass is not about me. It's about God. I'm there to give honour and, and glory to God. And so if I hold my praise back to God because I don't like the songs, it, it's it's kind of an insult to God, you know, and, and it makes the whole experience about me rather than about God. And when I come to to give praise to God, it's, hey, God, you are great. I want to give you glory. And actually it doesn't matter who's picked the songs and whether, the, whether I like the songs, it's do I love God with my heart, soul, and mind? And I'll express that 
whatever the song is. Um, otherwise, it's sort of like me saying to my wife, look, I love you as long as you wear the right dress and stand in the right yeah. way, and you know. Um, but if you don't do that, I'm not going to love you. Um, it becomes a kind of a conditional response. Um, so that's really crucially important that we've just got to get beyond our egos and our personal preferences and go, this is about God. Yeah, definitely. I was also thinking as you were, I don't even know why this popped into my head, but you know that commercial, the taco commercial where they can't decide whether it needs to be the hard taco or the soft taco. Yeah. And then the little yeah. girl is just like, why can't we have both, right? Yeah. Um, but obviously in, in the right in the right context. But um, mm. yeah, cool. Um, all right, maybe Emma, to plug this album, tell us a little bit about why you guys released this album and maybe who sung on it and, and a little bit about the recording process. Mm. So last year um, on a Wednesday once a month, uh, some of the songwriters got together and our whole aim was just let's write music that we can pray to and we wrote a kind of a lot of original music and had the classic songwriter issue of we can't seem to finish songs <laughs> and like a lot of good songs that we will revisit some of them are finished um but I think Peter originally had this idea for why don't we release an album of psalms you know the songs are essentially already written um you know the lyrics aren't changing and just writing melodies around them so we reached out to a bunch of songwriters in the diocese um and there's 10 psalms in total and, yeah, people sent us, kind of submitted their psalms and we perhaps tw tweaked a few of them here or there. And then, yeah, the process was they came around to my house and I recorded um, the vocals and the guitar or the vocals and the piano um, and a lot of the harmony. I, I love me some harmony. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I made all of our songwriters do some ooze at some point. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, and, yeah, after that I sent it to Peter, who um, is a very gifted musician and added a lot of other instruments, um, percussion, bass, um, oh, so much more. But after that, you know, after that process, we went and worked with a producer and sort of produced together to, to finalise the songs. And, yeah, we've, we've, we also wanted to release it under the name Encounter Catholic Music. Um, so we've been registering as a, a publisher for that so that it can be um, official and under the diocese name. Because it's something we want to continue doing. We want to continue to to build up songwriters and give them a platform where they can, yeah, release music in a way that's, yeah, not just sort of guitar and vocals, but like, no, let's let's add, not adding for the sake of adding, but like, yeah, what does the song need? As you were sort of sharing before, Alyssa, you know, what what kind of a, a psalm is it? Um, mm. So, different genres, you know, some of the some of them I would say are kind of alternative. Um, there's a, there's a chant psalm in there, um, a couple of upbeat ones, but for the most part uh, I would say they're sort of mid-tempo sort of just reflective songs, you know, songs that you can put on in your car as you go for a walk or as you fall asleep. Um, they're not sort of designed to be poppy in the sense to sort of grab your attention and distract you, but they're, they're designed to sort of, yeah, meditate upon it and, and reflect upon Oh, it's it's amazing. I have heard a couple of these tracks and they really are beautiful. So um, we'll tell our listeners how to get their hands on a copy of this album at the end of this podcast. But as a little bit of a treat, I thought we might play one of these psalms. So um, do you guys perhaps want to – it's a psalm called To See Your Face written by Maddie Luciani. I think I actually went to World Youth Day with Maddie maybe <laughs> a very, very long time ago. Yeah, um, but maybe, maybe do you want to talk about why um, – yeah, why you chose this psalm and then, it, um, yeah, introduce the psalm for us. Sure. Um, I mean, this 
yeah, Peter and I have had conversations about, um, you know, doing the classic, releasing a, a single and releasing a second single before releasing the album, just to give people a bit of a taster. But to be honest, so many of the so many of the psalms are so well done that we're kind of not playing by that rule of just releasing one. So you know, on on our Facebook, we've released a couple now, and this is not one of them. So I thought we could um, highlight it here. Um, yeah, Maddie. Maddie Luciani is my roommate, actually. She also sings in Emmanuel Worship, but she just has the most beautiful, perfect, reflective voice. And um, she's just a great songwriter. And when she first wrote this one, I, I had a bit of fun with it. And um, I'm really into some strange music. I, I love, like, <laughs> atmospherical music, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of took some of her vocals and reversed them a bit and added some delay effects and, um Actually, I remember after I did that, I sent it to Peter. And Peter, I remember when you sent it to me, I was in the bus station and uh, you were kind of like, um, here it is. And I think you said something like it kind of, it's a bit more uh, big worship than I intended it to be. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll have a listen. And yeah, all of a sudden, um, halfway through the song, it just kind of builds into this beautiful, this beautiful classic like worship music build. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really happy with it. Um, Maddie's really happy with it. And we hope you are too. <laughs> oh, beautiful. So here it is. It's called um, To See Your Face. And after that, we'll have a word from our sponsors as well. Stand in his holy 
production of this podcast would not be possible without the support of our donors and ministry partners. If you've been blessed by this podcast, please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a one-off donation or becoming an FRG ministry partner from just $5 per month. As well as enabling FRG ministry to impact hearts across the world through the creation of online resources and outreach programs. As an FRG ministry partner, you will have access to our rewards program where you can receive exclusive benefits and content to help you continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about becoming an FRG ministry partner, head to frgministry.com donate. We really hope that you all enjoyed that um, beautiful psalm written by Maddie. Um, and also a big thank you once again to our ministry partners who make this podcast possible. So if you're interested in becoming a ministry partner, please head to frgministry.com forward slash ministry partner. So thank you so much to, to you, Emma, and to you, Deacon Peter, for coming on this podcast, saving us during lockdown. Um, how can people get a copy of this album and how can they get in touch with you? Sure thing. So it's uh, on the 20th of September. It has been or will be released depending on when this podcast airs, <laughs> but you can find it online everywhere, Spotify, uh, Apple Music. Also, if you go to encountercatholicmusic.com, um, you can order a physical copy if you are, you know, you still have your Walkman CD player. Um, we have some <laughs> merch. We have sheet music. We have um, these embroidered jumpers that we've made. Um, you can also find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, I believe, and Facebook. If you just search Encounter Catholic Music, um, click us a like, and then, yeah, you'll be notified when we release new videos and new things in the project. Awesome. Any final words, Deacon Peter? Oh, look, thanks for having us. Um, it's great to work with uh, people like yourselves, and we love uh, the work that Father Rob does uh, right across Australia. And uh, it's great that he's uh, another musician. It's Catholic and is uh, creating great content for our church and encouraging um music and praise to God um, across the church. So thanks for having us. No worries. I think we need to do a song together now. There's all four of us doing, um, all, four us, all four of us who are musicians. Yeah. <laughs> a collaboration um, is coming. <laughs> definitely. Um, but we will plug all of those social media channels on our social media channels. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at at Catholic Influencers underscore on Instagram, facebook.com forward slash Catholic Influencers. Send us an email, podcast at frgministry.com. Our website is frgministry.com forward slash podcast. And you can check out the YouTube of this podcast, see what we look like, youtube.com forward slash frgministry. Thank you so much for joining us once again, and we will see you next week. God bless. Thank you. Bye. Bye.